Well, we got some things to discuss in this episode. Uh, the Yankees suck. First half is over. The Cubs take two. Anthony Volpe gets Dylan Lawson fired. Domingo Herman gets pulled from a one-hitter this time. Bellinger leaves town a Cub and not a Yankee. And lots more to discuss. In episode 539 of the podcast, welcome to BD4. I'm your host, RJ. Let's get into it all. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, creates and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Oh, 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 oh. All right. Man, do we have some things to talk about. Um, woo. Hey, this might be long. You know, usually when we say it's going to be short, it's long. So if I say it's going to be long, might be a record breaker. Um, no, I don't know how long it'll, yeah, I don't think it'll be that long, but. We certainly have to discuss a lot of topics. Um, so the Yankees, obviously, they dropped two out of three to the Chicago Cubs in their final series before the All-Star break. Um, yeah, and, I mean, last last series against Baltimore, I felt so crappy after watching the Yankees finish off that series so lethargically, if that's a word. That I didn't even record a video for the podcast. It was audio only. I literally recorded from my tablet in my bed at 6 a.m. <laughs> like, I was like, I, w- I always wake up with a cold. So it didn't sound good. The audio was shit anyway. And, um, and so I don't know why I just brought that up. But we're back on YouTube. Uh, the video format of the show is back up. You can now see. Live, me rant about the Yankees, and this is going to be, um, I don't know that I'm going to rant. This will not be a 25-minute rant like it was after Baltimore, but this is going to be um, a therapy discussion. Whatever. Um, so let's let's do it. Let's dive into the series. We'll, we'll recap the games, and then we got some stuff to discuss. Um, and I'm trying out a different format here. This is for the YouTube viewers only. Um, we're going to try to go with this format for the second half of the season. Just changed up the layout a little bit here on this screen. So we'll see how this works. But in the first game of the set, the Yankees lost. Um, of course they did. 3 nothing. Carlos Rodon made his return. He went up against Jamison Tyone. Um, there, wasn't enough, there wasn't much to recap. Uh, Glaber Torres hits a base hit up the middle in the first inning. And that was it for the Yankees. Uh, didn't score a run, just a base hit. Uh, Rodon pitches into the sixth. Makes a mistake to Bellinger in the third inning for a solo shot in the upper deck and left in uh, right field. Uh, that got Yankees fans dreaming. Um, including myself a little bit. Uh, then he let up one more run in the fifth inning off of a couple of walks and a base hit. That put the Cubs up 2 nothing. Uh, the Yankees, yeah, they didn't get a single hit off Jamison Tyone the rest of the way. Former Yankee Jamison Tyone ends up going eight shutout innings of one hit ball. Um, and in the ninth inning, um, Jimmy, not Jimmy Cordero, that, that bastard's gone. Uh, Franchi Cordero called back up, hooray, picks up a fake base hit for their second and only hit, uh, or their second hit, made no sense, of the night. Uh, but nobody scores, and the Yankees lose, and so you had that. They um, they scored no runs on two singles, so two hits, 
on the night gave them a 74 batting average, two walks, a 138 on base percentage for the game, five strikeouts, two double plays hit into, and 0 for 0 in scoring position. I mean, they didn't even get into that. That, that I mean, that is the definition of not caring right there. That stat line, not just the two hits, but not walking, not getting past first base, right? Two singles, a couple of ground ball double plays, and a bunch of soft contact pop-ups. That is literally the definition of like lethargic, careless, I don't give an F baseball. That is called having one single approach and not caring enough to be making any adjustments at all. That's what that is. And so this manager, whatever you want to call him, goes on air after the game and he continues to be the participation puppet that he's been. And he goes, credit to Tyone, pitched well. We hit some balls on the nose. I thought Volpe had a couple of good at-bats. Higgy hit the ball well. And we had some good at-bats mixed in there. That's what he said. Aaron, I will say this again. um, Two singles in nine innings at home. And one hit in eight innings against a guy who entered this game with an ERA of seven. There is nothing and will never be anything good about that. And we'll stop there. Carlos Rodon was at least a positive. Uh, Rodon. Five and a third innings in his debut. Two runs, two walks, a home run, two strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't terrific. There was some hard contact early on. Not a ton of swing and miss in this game. Made the mistake to Bellinger. Uh, The command was so-so, but you could see he started to fatigue a little later like in the 5th and 6th inning. I was actually surprised that um, that Boone sent him back out for the 6th, but I guess they wanted him to reach that pitch count. I think he threw nine, uh, 69 pitches. Uh, but there was definitely a lot of positive to look at too. I mean, the fastball looked good. It looked like Carlos Rodon. He was throwing 95-96. The slider also looked very good at times. Uh, and at the end of the day, he was very efficient. He threw strikes, and at one point, I think he was at like less than 40 pitches across four. So, I'm excited for Carlos Rodon, man. I'll say that. I'm not very excited about a ton of things on this team, but Carlos Rodon is one guy who, again, you have to do this with everybody. If healthy, you can be excited about because the guy is a bulldog out there. He's a big dude. He's a big lefty. He's got that energy to him that Yankees fans love. And let's not understate this. Like, let's not forget, Carlos Rodon, this is literally another Cole if they keep him healthy. Like, he's another ace pitcher right next to Cole. If he pitches the way he's pitched the last couple of seasons where he's made the all-star team, that's an incredible one-two right there. I will give the Yankees that. They have a staff, and they have two horses at the top. Um... But that was a loss. That was the first game where, unfortunately, Carlos Rodon had to take the loss. Um, The second game of the series, the Yankees ended up winning. This is the only game they won this series. They won 6-3. had Garrett Cole going up against Drew Smiley. Um, Stanton and Donaldson pick up homers early on for a 2-0 Yankees lead. Stanton took one 447 feet to the left field upper deck in the first inning. It said 447. That that looked like it was 490. Like it, it was a and it was high. He hit some towers, man, I tell you. Uh and then in the second inning, Donaldson also went to the left field as well. Um Cubs did score a run off of a ground ball versus Cole in the third inning to make it 2-1. to one. And in the bottom of the third, the Yankees put up two more runs. Glaber singles, Stanton walks, um, Rizzo singles to load them up. You get the uh, the mound visit to Drew Smiley. And then it's Harrison Bader, of course, who rips a big double down the left field line to score both Glaber and Stanton. 
uh, after that, DJ ruins it with a double play. But the Yankees go up 4-1. to one. Uh, In the bottom of the fifth, Torres singles, and then Stanton homers in the top, um, off the top of the right field wall. It was ruled a triple at first, which would have been funny, but it, it, uh, it ended up being a home run, and that was his second home run of the game. Uh, six to one Yankees. Uh, Cole's go- Cole ends up going back out for the eighth inning later on. Um, I love the move. Uh, this is your ace. You gotta let the guy go. Uh, but it did backfire when he clearly didn't have it. Um, base hit, wild pitch, and then he hangs the change up to former Yankee legend Mike Talkman for the home run to make it six to three. He hit one out. Um, but that's when Michael King entered the game and he finished it off from there in the eighth. Uh, in the ninth inning, he gets the one, two, three as Harrison Bader makes the great diving play to wrap it up. And the Yankees would win this one six to three, as you see there on the screen. Um, yeah, this, this was, um, a good offensive showing six runs, eight hits, 276 average, five walks, 382 on base in this game, six strikeouts, two double plays hit into, and three of six hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, so it was a nice, strong offensive showing. The bats actually produced in the last couple of games. Um, Stanton finally woke the hell up in this game. Two home runs, a walk, three RBIs. Um, he had a 447-footer, and then he hit the you know, 320-footer, whatever that was on the short porch there. <laughs> Glaber goes two for three with a walk. Bader, two RBIs and a double. DJ, a double. Donaldson, uh, the solo home run and a walk. Uh, It's funny because it literally started raining outside immediately after the Donaldson home run. (laughs) You could take that one of two ways. Um, So it was a nice afternoon where they looked like an actual baseball team for once. Uh, And Garrett Cole. Seven and third innings, three runs, five hits, a walk, a home run, five strikeouts, 103 pitches in the in the. Uh, yeah, he got the win and the win. Um, I mean, he was on his way to seven or eight gem innings, but again, he fell apart a little bit in that eighth inning. Uh, it kind of put a blemish on his line, which would have looked spectacular, um, but. He still finishes the first half 9-2 with a 2.85 ERA. Um, the Yankees have won 14 of 19 games on Cole days. Uh, and they're also 8-0 with Cole on the mound following a loss. So, Kind of like a couple years ago. I guess it's a lot more than that now. I'm old. Um, when CeCe was around, he had that really good year where he was like the stopper. Cole's kind of taken that. Roll as the ace this year as he should. Michael King, an inning in two-thirds. No runs, no hits, no walks, a K, and the save. And the Yankees win against 6-3. to three. Um, Trying to think if there's anything else from this game. I don't believe so. So uh, we can move on to the third game of the series. Just give me one second here. All right, the third game of the set, the Yankees, this was today on Sunday. They lose 7-4. It was Domingo Herman against Kyle Hendricks. And in the bottom of the first, you had the the leadoff base hit from Glaber Torres. And then the Rizzo double with one out to bring him home. Uh, It was 1-0. And then also in the inning, you had David Ross get ejected, arguing balls and strikes in the Stanton at-bat. Uh, it was definitely a ball. It was low and away. Uh, and then at the end of the inning, Josh Donaldson was seen limping off the field. Um, fortunately, he's okay because I would never want to lose such an integral part of the team. Um, uh, you know, definitely not a missed opportunity there for the Yankees to fake DL him. Uh, let's let's keep it at that. Uh, the top of the fifth inning. <laughs> I'm an asshole, Domingo Herman. Uh, who was tossing four innings of no-hit ball, surrenders his first hit, and it was a leadoff home run to uh, Suzuki to tie the game. He hung a curveball to him. Um, In the bottom of the fifth, though, with two outs, you have the Yankees answer back. Anthony Volpe and Kyle Higashioka go back-to-back for the second time this month. Um, The Yankees go up 4-1. to Uh, It knocks Kyle Hendricks out of the game for Merriweather. 
And then all hell broke loose uh, after that because for some ridiculous reason, when we get to the top of the seventh, Domingo is pulled after walking the leadoff batter, Ian Happ. Um, Hamilton comes in. Bases get loaded. Glaber, we'll talk about. Tommy Canley comes in. Three runs come in on him. They're all inherited runs. The game is tied 4-4. to So the Yankees blow a 4-1 to lead. Uh, again, we'll, we'll talk more about this very avoidable inning in a second. Uh, but in the eighth inning, Ron Marinaccio, who hasn't been great this year, um, he comes in, he walks the bases loaded with nobody out. And Clay Holmes comes in after that. He can't hold it. Sack fly scores a run. He balks the guy to third. And then a wild pitch scores that runner. The Cubs go ahead 6-4. to four. And uh, in the ninth inning, Nick Ramirez is in. He puts runners on the corners with no outs. And with the, with the number nine hitter up, uh, he lets up an RBI double down the line, and it's all of a sudden seven to four Chicago after four to one Yankees. Um, he puts another guy on to make it second and third with one out, and he was pulled for Clark Schmidt. Uh, Clark Schmidt comes in, and he gets it done after that. But who cares? The game's already over. As the Yankees go down feebly, very feebly, one two three in the bottom of the ninth, and they lose seven to four. End of the game. End of the first half. End of me. Caring, I'm kind of getting less careful or less. I'm kind of caring less, uh, more and more. It's just it, it's just getting hard to really get excited. Um, so they lose. Um, I mean they they weren't great. The bats weren't great. Four hits, eleven hits, uh, four runs on eleven hits, two walks, seven strikeouts, two of ten in scoring position, but they were enough. Four runs should be absolutely enough. Um, should have scored more when you have 11 hits, but four runs is four runs. It's enough, especially against a good solid pitcher in Kyle Hendricks. He had a sub three enter in the game, and you end up dropping four on him and, and five and two thirds. Um, you know, you have Higgy and Volpe with the home runs. Higgy had three hits in this game. Torres a couple of hits. Um, I was going to tip my cap to Glaber, uh, but. I, I just cannot after what happened there in the field. So I decided to give it to someone else. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, every single Yankee in this game got on base, and eight of nine Yankees picked up hits. Um, they struggled, again, with runners in scoring position, 11 hits, only four runs. Uh, but again, I'm not yelling at the bats because they were fine. Um, Domingo was also good, six-plus innings. One run, got the no decision. We'll detail his outing in a second um, later in the show. He pitched very well, though. The bullpen, again, they came in, and it all fell apart. Hamilton was so-so, but it was more Glaber there. Uh, Holmes was off. Canely wasn't his sharpest. Marinaccio wasn't good again. And Ramirez was Ramirez. He's starting to come back down to earth big time, um, as expected, uh, unless you're the Yankees. I want to talk about Aaron Boone. Um, there, there's, I mean, how do you not point your finger at him? So Domingo Herman literally had one hit on 74 pitches across six plus innings. And this limp dick beta boy loser who for some reason... 2% of Yankees fans still love. He comes out of his little hole and he pulls him because he's just dying to go to his bullpen. I'll remind you one more time. 74 pitches in the seventh inning here. Do we really have to use six guys out of the bullpen every single night? I mean, my Christ, man. I know it's a good bullpen, but when you use that many guys, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's only mathematically correct that one of them is bound to have an off night. But I mean, Domingo Herman, this is literally a man who threw a perfect game two turns ago. And so what happens? Well, Ian Hamilton, who has been off and on since returning, he comes in 
And since Boone tried fixing what wasn't broke, the Yankees blow it. Hamilton records a pop-up to Rizzo, but then he allows a base hit to right field. And then he gets a routine ground ball to Glaber Torres, which should have been an inning-ending double play. But because Glaber Torres is a bad defensive player, he botches the routine ground ball, can't handle it, super shocking there, and now the bases end up being loaded with one out. So Tommy Canely comes in after that, as I said. He gets the second out on a grounder to Rizzo, but a run scores there 4-2. to two. And then against Jan Gomes, who was pinch hitting, he lets up the base hit to center field. Bader makes the worst throw a human being could make from center field. It looked like Brett Gardner, the ground balls. And then the game is tied. So I don't understand it. I mean, you literally have, you have four days in a row of no baseball coming up. And for Domingo Herman, it's probably like eight games in a row because he won't be pitching in the series after the All-Star break. And so you're pulling the guy. Why? It's, it's comical, man, how often this garbage happens because he's either being soft, trying to be the smartest guy in the room with, with the numbers crunching, third time through the order, you know, wanting to get the bullpen reps, which makes no sense. Whatever it is, it's absolutely mind-blowing how little feel this guy has for baseball. And you'd think, right, you'd think a guy who comes from, from a baseball family, the media calls him a baseball guy all the time, he played baseball, his family played, his brother, father, he was in the booth on ESPN for a while, and he's now managed six major league seasons. You'd think at this point he'd have a clue onto how to go with the gut by now, because that's a big baseball thing. He pulls Domingo Herman at 70 through 7, and he gives the Cubs a little bit of hope. And so that's what happened. And I'm not trying to excuse guys like Labor Torres. I am sick of Labor Torres. I'm over him. I was over him last year. On the bases, in the field, I am so sick of it. Every night of every year, he's making a mistake in one of those two areas. He's a low IQ, stupid, dumb as bricks, losing baseball player. And for some reason, because he's slightly better than mediocre with his 250 average and his 730 OPS and his 103 OPS plus, a portion of the Yankees fan base wants to sit there and act like he's Robinson Cano at the plate. I don't get it, dude. I don't get it. He's not that good. Glaber has talent. He has a ton of talent. But he's never going to reach that potential with this See, I don't want to say bad franchise because they're historically a good franchise, but with this new regime, he's not going to reach that potential. Because there's no such thing as accountability on this new modern Yankees. Not with his manager. He doesn't do accountability. Do we understand yet? I do. I mean, accountability. They asked Boone after the game about the big Labor Torres error. It happens. I don't think he's made a number of outlandish errors at second base this season. He said that. <laughs> Labor Torres at second base this year. Nine errors. That's the most in baseball by any second baseman. Yeah. Again. Say it all the time. Why don't I like him? Because he's soft. Because instead of sitting there and holding his players accountable, don't have to throw them under the bus, but instead of holding them accountable, in the dugout, on the field, not playing him, sitting and benching him more, calling him out in the post game in the proper way, instead of doing any of that, he sits there, runs him back out there, Makes excuses for him every post game or all of his guys. Remember when IKF was making a shit ton of errors at shortstop last year, and then Boone goes and tells everybody that he's like been one of the better defensive shortstops in all of baseball. I mean, he does this all the time with everybody, telling everybody they're crazy that Josh Donaldson to to not think Donaldson can have a bounce back year. Yeah, that's working out well. I mean, he just they, they, I can't I can't sit there and watch him jerk off all his players in the post game. I can't do it. We're going to head to break. We're going to get back. We'll hand out our uh, tip of the caps 
And after we tip our caps, what the hell just happened? Was this black the entire time? Whoopsies. Let me fix this. After we tip our caps, we're going to, um, fuck, that was my fault. We're going to, uh, we're going to get into a few talking points. Stay with us. We'll be right back here on the show. Episode 539 of BD4. I'm your host. Stay with us. Be back in 15. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4. BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right. Um, time to hand out, or time to tip our caps. Uh, this is going to be brief. I'm not going into detail because not in the mood to hand out compliments. But I'm tipping my cap. Um, when we go to the lineup, I'll tip my cap to Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton this series had two hits, uh, two twenty-two average. I uh, had two homers, three RBIs, three walks, three runs, eight total bases, and a thirteen oh six OPS in three games against the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, I, I I just I couldn't give it to Glaber because statistically Glaber had the best series, but I could not give it to him after that error. I'm just, I'm fed up with Glaber Torres. Maybe I'm being a little reactionary. I don't think so. I just, I, I, that it was a big error. That error right there is the difference of going into the break with two out of three and a little bit of momentum versus going into the break, having to fire your hitting coach. Who knows what would happen if that didn't, I mean, going in, fucking, it was such a big fucking vibe change. Stand that two home runs. So I give it to him. It was his second, it's his second time this season getting my respect. Second cap tip this season for Stanton. On the mound, uh, starting pitcher this series, I'm going to give it to Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman, six plus innings, again, one run, uh, earned run, nine strikeouts, three walks, one hit, one home run. 74 pitches, 49 strikes, and the no decision in Game 3 against the Cubs today. He looked very good. Uh, he, he was efficient once again. He always is. Uh, and he's been solid for the Yankees this season. Uh, I think it's about time that the Yankees realize Domingo Herman is a good, solid pitcher, and he's earned the respect to where you should let the guy throw 100 pitches now. You should let him pitch deeper into a game because he's earned that respect at this point he's pitched fine for you so Domingo Herman gets my respect I'm tipping my cap to him for the seventh time this season that's the second among Yankee pitchers and I'm going to Michael King Michael King in the bullpen is getting my respect in game two he went an inning and two thirds no runs a strikeout no walks no hits 16 pitches, 13 of them were strikes, and he gets the save there in the second game. Couldn't give it to anyone else because the bullpen was not great this weekend. Um, King was good, though. Continues to pitch well in that multiple-inning role. And Michael King, I've now tipped my cap to him six times on the season. So there are your tip of the caps. Again, going to Stanton, Domingo, and King. Oh, this this team. I, I just sometimes, man, I just... It's hard to be a fan. Um, now, before we get to the uh, Dylan Lawson specifics, I want to read some numbers for you and, and give you some info on the Yankee Bats this season. The Yankee Bats this season, and remember, folks, there are only 30 teams in the league, 19th in runs, 28th in batting average, 13th in slugging percentage, 21st in OPS, 5th in home runs, hey, there we go, um, 18th in triples, 28th in doubles, 29th in singles, 
23rd in walks, 23rd in scoring position, and 29th in scoring position with two outs. I understand Aaron Judge has been out, but even with him, a lot of their numbers weren't great. Like the OPS, the the on-base, the average with him was not great. The run scored with Aaron Judge for most of the season wasn't anything out out of the water. Um, but even but even if you know that's true, like I, it's no excuse because there are eight other guys getting four at bats a game in there. They also have guys who should be hitting, but aren't hitting. Rizzo hasn't been the same since May. I don't remember the last time this guy hit a home run. Stanton has maybe come around a little tiny bit lately, but he's been dreadful since 2021 ended. Donaldson isn't hitting. LeMahieu hasn't hit in three years. The fact that Glaber Torres, a 700 OPS guy, is our best hitter, that says a lot itself. I mean, there have been some all-time horrendous offensive showings this year. I mean, you can recall no runs on three hits against Nathan Evaldi. Um, the guy on the Angels, Jose Suarez, a guy with a 9 ERA, a career 5.5 ERA, he shuts the Yankees down in a four-hit loss. We had four hits against the Twins pitching this year. A four-hit performance against the Phillies with one run. Four hits at Fenway Park last month against the horrendous Boston pitching staff. Three hits and no runs against Chris Bassett this year. We were shut out by George Kirby in a complete game against Seattle. Fucking that guy Kikuchi, who's a terrible pitcher, he shut us out earlier this year. Former Yankee pitchers have just been tearing us up left and right. Evaldi, Tyone the other day, Sonny Gray has killed us. Jordan Montgomery in the St. Louis series last week was thrown a no-hitter through six or seven. I mean, we had the 15-1 Texas loss, whatever that ended up being. We had the 14-1 Baltimore loss the other day. It has just been an awful season for the offense. So, with all of that, the Yankees chose to fire hitting coach Dylan Lawson. Um, now, I'll say the, I guess, the positive from this. The Yankees say they plan to bring in a guy from outside the organization. So at least it's not coming from in-house. Because let's be honest, the issue with this team is an organizational one. It's their whole philosophy. It's, it's not their hitting coach. It's the way they preach launch angle, exit velocity, barrel percentage. It's, it's the three true outcome garbage. You know, the order of the batting lineup doesn't matter. Batting average doesn't matter. Forget about singles and doubles. Strikeouts are ordinary outs. Forget about left-handed hitting, right? All of these bullshit beliefs and preachings, completely toxic. So that's the root of the issue. I mean, look at the guy, uh, Luis Arias. He's a guy I really wanted the Yankees to get at the deadline last season. And then I wanted them to get him in the winter. They could have. Go look at his baseball savant pitch. Not only is he batting a few points below 400, and not only does he have less than 20 strikeouts on the year, but his analytics are anti-whatever-the-hell-the-Yankees-preach. The average exit velocity for him, blue. Blue means below average. Max exit velo, blue. Barrel percentage, blue. Walk rate, blue. Chase rate, blue. Launch angle, worse than average. It's all blue. And look at him. One of the best hitters. He's the best pure hitter in baseball right now. So, the positive from firing Dylan Lawson and saying they're not going in-house to bring in the next one is that it might not be Dylan Lawson 2.0 coming in. It's also good that the Yankees made a move because like all of us, I've been begging them to just do something, right? We've been saying this for weeks now. Do something. Change it up. Shake it up. Promote this guy. Demote that guy. Trade for that guy. Fire this guy. They did. They did just that. And, you know, the fact that Cashman just fired Lawson when he had never once in his entire tenure 
fired a coach midseason that at least says the Yankees are hovering their hand over the panic button. They acknowledge that it's there, right? They at least know it's been a mediocre product. Even if they never sound like it through Boone's interviews and Cashman's bullshit meetings with the press, you know, Hal's Yankee jargon, just, you know, a few weeks ago, how Hal said, you know, all that shit he said. Their actions by firing Lawson tell you they at least do know that this team sucks. Um, So at least now we know that they know they have sucked to a point where they have to shake something up and not just remain complacent. Which is funny how all of a sudden they decide, yeah, this is pretty bad. Like, what changed? Why wait? Time is pretty valuable when you're a third, fourth place team all season and you're, uh, you know, not doing very well and two teams above you have been soaring. Time's pretty valuable. So I don't know why they waited uh, all the way until the break. That said, all right, that all said, as, as glad as I am that Lawson is out of here, I was also very glad that Marcus Timms was fired. So this is not changing shit right now. This isn't changing anything. The head of the snake must be cut off to really kill it, right? And this is Cashman. It's Cashman's little nerd team. It's an organizational philosophy. It's the personnel that he put on this roster and added to the organization. Like Mike Fishman bringing in that loser. That is the legitimate root of the issue here. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's not just these Yankees at the major league level hitting so poorly. Somebody brought up a really good point on a podcast I listened to. How about the guys in their minor league system with low batting averages? Jason Dominguez is batting 204 with Somerset this year. Austin Wells is 244 this year. Trey Sweeney is batting 239. Even Volpe last year was 250 something with Somerset and 230 something with Scranton Wilkesbury. So they're teaching these guys terrible fundamentals. I mean, do we really believe that the Yankees? had nothing to do with Glaber Torres turning out the way he's turned out. I've said a number of times, I truly believe the Yankees ruined Glaber Torres. I don't know that he's a 300 hitter, but I do strongly believe that if Glaber were surrounded by a solid hitting coach and a solid organization, he's a 275 hitter again easily. But they, they have him pulling off, increasing, increasing, his launch angle over the years. Never gonna he's never going to right field anymore. He's focused on, on the home run ball so often. Instead of focusing on the up the middle right field approach where the homers will come naturally in Yankee Stadium. He's 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 just he, he's a home run or single guy. Home run or single. Now he's done a better job this year of making more contact and coming through in those situational spots. But He's not the elite hitter that he once was. And I believe that the Yankees had had impact there. Like they have with a lot of guys who start out well and, and regress. A lot of Yankees have. So until that changes, the Yankees, until they make larger front office moves, and by larger I mean firing Brian Cashman or having Cashman step down, um, I'm not exactly jumping for joy with this news. You know, it's more just a, hey, look, we care, see? Kind of move from the Yankees. Um, I'll, I'll give credit to Dylan Lawson for, for what he did with the minor league guys last year. That was great. Did a nice job with them. But he was promoted, and it has not worked this year with the bigs. Um, I mean, what, what we've gotten this season has just been a terrible approach. It's been such a different approach from Yankees teams, even in, like, the recent past. Like you can even go back to last year. They hit homers last year. They made hard contact. And they got on base at least last season. But this group. I mean they're not even working walks. They swing early in the count. They take fastballs. Right down the plate consistently. And in very favorable counts too. It's the literal opposite. Of hit strikes hard which was Lawson's mantra. They don't hit starting pitching. 
They get off to a ton of slow starts now. Remember, in recent seasons, the Yankee bats were very good because they'd always jump out early and very often. But that's not happening anymore. Everyone just seems to attack the same way. Maybe attack is not the best word. They hunt walks. And they don't walk. They don't ever bunt. They swing for the fence. They open up a ton. They don't have an approach in situational spots. But, yeah. I mean, you had to see it coming, too. <laughs> you got guys like Aaron Judge hiring his own hitting coach, for fuck's sake. Anthony Volpe had to eat magical chicken parm, for fuck's sake. You know the whole story there. Austin Wells goes and watches film with Anthony over dinner. And he's all of a sudden hitting again. They find the stance, close it off, you know. And I think that was kind of the icing on the cake. Or, or, or here's an opportunity for me to say that was the sauce on the chicken. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that was it. I think as soon as that, I think Anthony Vol- Anthony Volpe fired Dylan Lawson. Anthony Volpe, opening his mouth, got Dylan Lawson out of here. So you know what? That C- minus that I gave Volpe in our last progress report, he gets an A+. Um, no, it, it was it was something that absolutely had to be done. You know, scapegoat, scapegoat or sacrificial lamb, whatever you want to call it, it had to be done. You know, I mean, the, the, the Yankees know their fans are very frustrated. Boone was getting booed loudly today when he walked out to the mound. You know they hear the fans on social media. I mean, Hal brought up the fact that he doesn't listen to the fans on social media or podcasts, and then he brings up the same sentence, how he doesn't have a yacht. So he's obviously hearing shit too. They know. So something had to happen, and it did. Excuse me. Um. Now what's next? Because this can't be it. And then all is just, well, Donaldson can't be here on Friday when play resumes. I don't want to see that. 140, batting 140, isn't in baseball. Because no other organization lets it get to that point. Even the Yankees from not too long ago didn't have that low of a standard. In 2017, Chris Carter hit 201, and he was cut right then after 60-something games. That used to be the line they drew. And I know money and all the contract is different, but this is the Yankees. And what do they have left on this deal? Less than $12 million now? Donaldson can't be here on Friday. Peraza can't be down in AAA on Friday. That can't be. The same with Ben Rorfed. I like Trevino, but the 500-something OPS is not Major League Caliber. I know, he's a catcher, but I don't care if you're Johnny Bench behind the dish. You can't give me a 500 OPS. He comes up here, Ben Rorfed does. Finally, he finally makes his debut a year and change later. He's a big piece to that Gary Sanchez trade. He comes up, finally, he has two doubles, looks good, and he's sent back down. I don't want IKF and Jake Bowers playing outfield in the second half anymore. I don't want that. Where is Estevan Florio? You're going to tell me 50, 60-something Major League at-bats is enough for you to never call up Estevan Florio again? Really? At least he's a real outfielder. So I can't be dealing with the same garbage come Friday night. It has to be different. The players are the ones playing at the end of the day. And unfortunately, the Yankees are keeping their other hitting coaches. But maybe that's the problem too, by the way. Why do we have 27 different coaches in the dugout? We got coordinators, assistant coaches, this, that, Wilkerson, Dykes. It's way too much. Too many voices. It's way too easy to miscommunicate that way and be on different pages. All you need is one. Hitting coach, pitching coach, bench coach, first and third base coach. Boom. Done. That's it. Who's going to be the next hire? I don't know. Yankees fans love to play that game. I, I mean, I wanted Mattingly. That's obviously not happening anymore. Um, I want A-Rod. He knows his shit. He's a Hall of Fame player. He turned his image around. He's done a nice job doing that. Um, you know. 
I feel like if A-Rob was here, he would piss people off and give the Yankees that evil asshole vibe again. But obviously that's never happening in, in a million years because the two sides do not get along. I mean, A-Rod's always calling out Cashman anyway, any time he gets a chance. Um, but, you know, that, that relationship has been strained since the Yankees forced him to, to retire. Um, but you know what, man? You know what I want? I don't want a specific name. I just, what I want at hitting coach, get me an old man, not some young nerd. Get me some miserable 90-year-old, wrinkly, stubborn, old fuck who knows nothing but how to hit the baseball. A guy who has way too many back-in-my-day stories. Get me that guy. Get me a guy who hates home runs and a guy who only knows how to judge you by batting average. Get me that guy. A way-too-old-school, extinct dinosaur for a hitting coach. That's who they need. Um, But in all seriousness... Do we actually trust Cashman to make this next hire the right hire? This is part of my problem with wanting the Yankees to become sellers too at the deadline on August 1st. If they were to ever, Cashman is the one making those decisions. So, I don't know if I trust him. At the end of every postseason, when the Yankees get eliminated, what does he tell us? Well, we need to play faster. We want to get more athletic. We want to start putting the ball and play more. We want to get more lefties in there. That's why they got Benintendi. But what happened after that? They let him walk. And don't give me the New York City thing either because you pay a guy enough money, he's going to play for you. These guys will. And so he, he doesn't do that. And he just continues to pass on all these big perfect fits and all these big fish in the offseason market. Goes all the way back to Harper and Machado. That's really where the fans started turning on the Yankees. But since then, a whole bunch of shortstops the last two offseasons and free agency too. You passed on all them. And that didn't exactly mean you had to give up on Volpe. Passed on Brantley two times. I wanted him the first time very much. Uh, and recently, it's been Yoshida. Last offseason, it was Arias. Could have got him via trade in the winter. Nothing, 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 nothing. He did nothing, and he continues to throw out the same exact blueprint. The same old, slow, mediocre players, except this time they're one year older. So before I start applauding Cashman for making this firing, or whatever, it was probably Hal anyway, um, I need Cashman to just look himself in the mirror. I mean, all of a sudden, we look up, and that window from 2017 is completely shut. I mean, that whole roster was gone two years ago anyway. It's just crazy how time flies. So, um, if we're talking about potential acquisitions and stuff, I feel like this would be a good time to segue and talk about a little trade deadline talk for a minute or two. We won't go too deep into the trade stuff, but we will talk about it when we get back from break. Stay with us, episode 539. Be right back. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to BD4, episode 539. So let's talk about the trade deadline. Excuse me. Let's talk about the trade deadline for a minute or two. And let's be realistic about it. And let's say that Juan Soto, the Padres, uh, Otani, the Angels, and then none of that happens, right? Which I don't think it will. And let's also say that the Yankees don't become sellers either. And I don't think that will. And let's say Jesus Christ doesn't reincarnate into a baseball player. I don't think he will, though, you know, times could be coming to an end with how fucked up society is today, but whole other thing um but you know let's be let's be realistic um and, and and realistically speaking what would it truly take for the Yankees to become serious contenders again with the market that they're probably going to be looking at because again I think I think they have the pitching to get it done so long as they stay healthy they have a staff um they have a great bullpen I think they'll be able to maneuver their way 
on the pitching side of things. But that lineup, that lineup, it needs some serious retooling. Bellinger, if you go and grab him, that's good. I'll take it. It's nice, but it cannot be yet. It cannot be the only thing you do. You can grab him. It would help. Um, he seems to have retooled his swing. There's less of an uppercut there, thank God. Um, and that has helped him develop into this 300 hitter, a guy who makes much better contact. His K rate is only 17% this year. And although the power numbers are a little down this year with Bellinger, I think that that lefty swing, put it inside Yankee Stadium, it's going to play up. So he'd be nice. Add him to that lineup. Stick him in right field some games, a little left field, maybe some first base, some DH. But you can't end there. You have to go and find a third baseman. Uh, I've heard people talk about this guy in Detroit. I think it's Detroit. Candelario. He's a 29-year-old switch hitter, kind of a late bloomer, having a career year this season. He's batting 261. He's got 13 homers, 27 doubles. Love that. 819 OPS and a 20% K rate. He's also a fine defensive third baseman. You have to call up Peraza. Maybe play him at third base, second base, shortstop, wherever. Like, point being, there are a number of moves you'd have to make for me to actually buy into this team if it's not going to be a Juan Soto or a Shohei Otani, which it will not be. And that's not even mentioning the fact that we might also need an extra starting pitcher and a reliever or two in there. Like, we're going to have to do a lot. It's tough. Like, is Aaron Judge even going to be back? If Aaron Judge comes back, will he be Aaron Judge? It is really, really difficult for me to remain optimistic with this group. Um, So, I mean, I, if you want me to say, can the Yankees still make the playoffs? Yeah, that's that's I, I think they will. I, I do. I think there's still a shot they make the playoffs. But I got to tell you, <sighs> making the playoffs <laughs> as a third place team doesn't scream confidence. I need to see this team win 93, 95 games and take second place for me to have confidence. And I don't see that happening as much anymore. That's, you know, you know my whole floor ceiling thing, right? I've been discussing that a few times recently. I've talked about that. Their floor is 85 wins in fourth place. Their ceiling is 95 wins in second place in the regular season this year. Um, so I don't know, man. It's just, it's such a, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. This team is so different. They're so far off of what a championship team looks like. And so I was thinking about that. And I was doing a little bit of reminiscing out of spite towards this team. But I went back and looked at the 9 lineup on baseball reference because I wanted to see what was different. In nine, I found that nine of ten guys with at least 100 games played batted 270 or better on that team. Eight of those ten guys had an OPS of 850 or higher. Three guys on the entire roster they had struck out over 100 times, and two of those guys played 150-plus games. You had four guys with at least 35 doubles. Eight guys with at least 18 homers. And 11 guys with at least one triple. I mean, that team could fucking rake. They could hit. Actually hit. Get on base. And do things outside of just the home run ball. And how about balance in the lineup? You had your switch hitters. Posada. Teixeira. Cabrera. Swisher. You had your left-handed bats. Cano. Damon. Matsui. Brett Gardner. And you had a couple righties. You had Jeter and A-Rod. There you go. It's it's the difference is so crazy. And I know that back then was different than it is today. But relative to the rest of the league, the Yankees' hitting numbers are still very bad. They seem to still somehow, every year, lack a lefty bat. 
true impact bat. 2009 was a long time ago now. Instagram wasn't even launched back then. It didn't exist. TikTok didn't exist. Vine didn't exist. And Vine is now gone. Michael Jackson died in 2009. Obama became president. The swine flu was a thing. Gas was $273. Sorry. Gas was $2.73 a gallon. A loaf of bread. I have here it was a buck seventy seven. Stamps were forty two cents back in 09. <laughs> Just a little uh throwback there for you. But um yeah, I mean I, I just I have so little hope left for this team this season as a legitimate threat. The division is over, I'm not even looking at that. Like there was a brief second where on Saturday we won and Tampa lost and you looked up and it was like 6.5 back or 7 maybe and you're like hey now hold on a second but the Rays literally just lost 7 in a row and we basically got nowhere doing that um, and we've had a very 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 easy cupcake schedule ever since the Dodgers series ended in the beginning of June so that's why we are where we are that's why even during their struggles, the Rays are good. They're fine because they built up enough cushion to allow this struggle right now. They also won today. But the Rays can play 500 ball the rest of the way and they could still win 92-93 games. The Yankees have to play probably 650 ball or close to it in order to reach that number. So best case for Yankees is a cold Rays team and a hot Yankees team. So I am not looking at the division. They're eight games back right now. Um, but most of the season, as I've been telling you, I've been consistent in saying, again, I still think second place is very, very possible. But my God, now looking at it, I don't know. Because right now, the Yankees aren't in first. They aren't in second. They're not in third. They're in fourth place. And they're one game out of being in last place. The Yankees are 49 and 42, which is an extremely average 538 win percentage. They have the worst run differential in the American League East and the ninth best run uh, run differential in the entire American League. So, it's been bad. It's been very bad, and it's sad. And I think we'll wrap it up on that. Let's head to break, get back, and wrap it up with our trivia. Be right back. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a production company that allows content creators of all genres to market their podcast or whatever project they're working on. It's an online platform that will promote your content no problem. All you have to do is get in touch with film director and podcast producer Leo Rodriguez from Say No More Podcast, and you're good to go. You can find him on Instagram at Studio69NJ, Studio69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in to BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And let's wrap this up with our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day. Let's get to that right now. So... For episode 539 of the podcast here on BD4, our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day is, on Independence Day 1983, which New York Yankees pitcher tossed a no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox? On Independence Day 1983, which New York Yankees pitcher tossed a no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox? So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout out. 
One final time on Independence Day 1983. Which New York Yankees pitcher tossed a no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox? Um, All-Star break is coming up. I, I don't. I hate All-Star break when my team is slumping. Which is, I don't even think this is a slump when they're when they're just bad because I want them to go right back out there and play and win, 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 win. But I do like the home run derby. I, I watch that a lot. Um, I'm not a big fan of the All Star game. It's kind of, I don't know. It's ever since they took away the uh, home field advantage thing, it's kind of lost its uh, spark. But I'll probably watch both. So I'll uh, I'll end with this before we wrap up. The Yankees are 93-90 and in their last 183 games, but Hal Steinbrenner is confused. Good night, everybody. I'll see you in a week. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees, and go Knicks!